Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between uh, Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão para a explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talking to the Dolby Fica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumasic. Episode number 385 is what we're up to and, and what an episode there will be. Uh, we'll uh, recap the Standard Liege and Boa Vista games. We'll look ahead to Glasgow Rangers and Braga, which are the next upcoming games for Benfica. Uh, and we'll also we'll briefly touch up on on the election since I started the, uh, the the show last week talking about the election I think it's only fair that uh, we'll give you a little bit of blur blurb on the election but uh, before we get into the show uh, Cristiano Oliveira is with me as always Cristiano come again amigo what's going on amigos how's everyone doing today great and Dave uh-huh. the Oliveira um, up in the great white north watching from afar as uh, it's election night here in the uh, United States as we record this tonight and we are recording in the, as the results are coming out to give a little bit of context of everything that's going on. Dave, how you been? Doing well. Uh, like you said, it's uh, election night down south, but uh, we're still watching uh, with interest up here up north, but uh, good to be back on tonight. And as we speak about elections, Benfica's own elections took place last Wednesday. Luis Oliveira won convincingly, very convincingly, 62.59% of the votes, 471,000 votes. João Noronha Lopes came in second with 34.71% of the votes, 261,000 votes. Rui Gomes da Silva uh, just beat the blank votes with 1.64%. 12,000 votes and blanks were 1.06. And as Dave was mentioning, I don't know why somebody would stand in line just to vote blank, but Dave, maybe international votes, maybe. Internet, well, I don't know, international votes that they couldn't process. Like, uh, did they even allow the, the uh, uh, to vote blank or not to choose a selection? I just feel like it's yeah. such a such a waste of uh of a vote a vote especially if you we saw the big lineups um in portugal uh for the the election and we had slight uh hopes that uh change was on its way but um yeah for those that uh voted blank i mean they really had to prove a point by uh voting blank yeah record uh turnout uh first time ever forty thousand plus uh, votes uh, were were cast uh, in this election, uh, and and certainly as Cristiano and I watched the the turnout, one thing that we thought is we thought the change was a brewing, uh, but uh, it was also the Vieristas who didn't want to, their men removed from power. But uh, here we are, uh, four more years of Luis Felipe Vieira, as he says, it will be his last four years. So. Uh, we will be watching with a watchful eye as to uh, what this mandate will 
um, bring us as Benfiquistas. And, and as you know, we all uh, demand uh, the most and the best for our club. So we'll be uh, watching what goes on uh, with this mandate. Cristiano, anything that you wanted to add in terms of this uh, election before we can move? I didn't really want to touch on it, but since you insist... Um, look, man, I would just like to say what's, you know, the obvious, I'm pretty sure thousands of people have said this, uh, but I want to reiterate it, uh, which is, listen, man, whether you're candidate of choice, one or not, that's irrelevant at the end of the day. Uh, the Benficistas have spoken. Um, this is democracy. This is how Benfica works. Uh, the paying members, the Saucius showed up and voted for who they wanted, uh, to be in front of their club. And they won by, by, by smashing, uh, everyone else in their way. Um, and so now all we have to do as Benfiquistas, regardless of who you supported going into these elections, you have to unite. You have to all have one common goal, same direction. We all have to pull together, man. It's about Benfica over the next four years. And we just hope that um, these next four years will be very successful four years for the club. Yeah. And so as I, as I mentioned, the, the results in, in terms of uh, numbers, as you know, the, the votes is not one for one. There's different, if you have different years of membership, then you get more votes, so on and so forth. The Casas get 50, and that's why in 40,000 votes, Luis Felipe Vieira had 471,000 votes uh, going towards him. So I just want to make sure that we, uh, we clarify that. Dave, anything to uh, add to this election conversation before we move on? No, just uh, like you were saying that the votes aren't equal, but I think I had seen some uh, some news outlet in Portugal post it that uh, even if all the votes were one-to-one or one-to-one value that uh, Vieira yeah. still would have won. So, um, yeah. like you said, his uh, his members uh, showed up to vote and uh, we just got to respect the, uh, the process now. And like Cristiano said, unity now amongst the club. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, not only did he win uh, by the capturing the most votes, but he also had the most people uh, voting uh, for him. So it was a resounding win all across uh, votes and voters. Uh, so it is what it is. Uh, turning now our attention to uh, what's more important, and that was uh, Benfica playing, and Benfica played the day after the elections. Uh, we hosted Standard Liège in a game that held... Uh, uh, that had 4,500 people, first time in a long time that Stadio Luz has, has opened their doors uh, for uh, for people. Uh, I know now they're opening doors for also people that want to drive into the stadium and around the stadium. Not around the stadium, on the actual field, on the actual grass. Yeah, he was. Uh, so apparently, this guy was uh, noticed that there was some doors open. Just decided to drive in and was drove around. He was behind the goal. He didn't go on the actual grass, but he was in the uh, behind the goals, from what I understand. <laughs> He's trying to visit the Eagles. That's normally where the Eagles sits behind the goals throughout the the, the tours. So yeah, I mean, very, very. Uh, I don't want to say funny. It was funny in some ways, but I'm pretty sure. Uh, you know, things weren't funny for those around the style that lose and, and, and the authority. No, no. Uh, Ten years ahead of the competition, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> you, so Europa League uh, match day two. Uh, I'll give you the lineup. We'll, we'll get uh, we'll get started. Vlakodimus was in goal. Uh, Gonçalves, Otamendi, Vertonghen and Nuntavares in the back. Gabriel and Pizzi in the midfield. Padrinho on one side. Emerson. Uh, Emma, did I say? Everton, sorry. Emerson. I don't know where I got Emerson. Everton was on the other side. Everton was on the other side. Walt Schmidt and Darwin. Yeah, bro. Yeah, I don't know if I. I'm. I'm not. Uh, I haven't uh, grown to that Sibulina. I know that he, that's what he's known worldwide, but I don't. I know. I. I still like Everton better. The same way I don't call uh, Servi Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you printed Chervi. Remember last season was Chervi. Chervi. Yeah, so uh, Salah Liège missing a couple uh, key players due to uh, COVID, but uh, certainly, uh, and, and Cristiano and I had a chance to, to speak about uh, this game briefly on our time added on that we just put out a couple days ago. Uh, but certainly, good start for Benfica and, and uh, really... The stature of Benfica's club and the reputation of Benfica's of Benfica playing against Standard Liège, a team from 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 Belgium, uh, not a Belgian powerhouse. Certainly, uh, normal from what we could expect, Christian. 
<sighs> man, this is what we uh, come on here week after week and we, you know, scream and then holler about, which is Benfica is supposed to beat the teams that they're better than. They're supposed to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And this is exactly what Benfica did. Another resounding victory uh, by the Aguias this time on the pitch. Um you know, uh, in a game that I think you could arguably say this is Benfica's best game all year long. Um, they created chances. Uh, you know, they 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 just it looked like the, the the old JJ teams where they were all playing in sync. Everybody was on the same page, and it, I was glad to see this performance. Um, obviously, <laughs> I hate doing these podcasts. Uh, you know, like a week later because one, you forget a lot about uh, you know the details of the game, and then obviously you have other games in between that kind of either you know take away some of that excitement or they add to that excitement. And right now, it's you know it's one of those situations that as exciting as you were um, going <laughs> into the weekend after this game, obviously you know the the the, the air out of the balloon is is has obviously been been you know uh, sucked out. So. We'll, we'll touch about you know we'll touch on that a little bit later. But again, as I said, uh, good performance. Um, got to see some some good performances by by some of the athletes that we've um, you know uh, unfortunately like you know ha- had to get on the pitch. Like a guy like Nun Tavares had to get on the pitch due to uh, the unfortunate uh, situation, the injury that Grimaldo is going through, and and you know played re- relatively well. Arguably his best performance in a Benfica uniform to be to you know since he's been called up to the main squad. So, a lot of positives to take from this game. Yeah, that's uh, that's for sure. And 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 look, uh, and Cristiano argue and I argued about the not well not argue but offered our opinion in terms of contrast between European campaigns of years past and and, and this year. And granted, it's the Europa League. Uh, but but certainly uh, you know this is what we uh, we like to see the strongest eleven, uh, and uh, you know it was just a, a convincing uh, win by Benfica one nothing by Pizzi two nothing by Waldschmidt three nothing um, again to close it out uh, by by uh, Pizzi uh, and all three goals coming in the second half of uh, of this game. Dave numbers. Yeah, just uh, some numbers here. Uh, like you said, Pizzi with the uh, two-goal brace. He's now scored in four consecutive uh, European games. So uh, twice against Shakhtar last season, uh, once again uh, against Poznan, uh, uh, and then a two-goal uh, game against uh, Standard Liège. And it's his first uh, brace uh, in European competition uh, for his career. Um not one that we usually touch about or talk about either, but the Benfica definitely uh, controlled possession in this game. Uh, Sixty-seven. They've ended with the game with sixty-seven percent uh, possession, and uh, in the flash interview, Carcella had made the comment that uh, this Benfica under JJ looked like uh, Barcelona, and you could definitely tell uh, they did control the game and, and controlled possession uh, the way they were playing. You know, just just afraid to go ahead. You tell you tell. No, I was gonna I was gonna tell you, but uh, JJ did mention something in regard to that. Yeah, JJ did. I was questioned uh, about Carcella's comments, and uh, I'm pretty sure it was right after the game, the post game press conference. You know, kind of, he was aware they were. They told him Carcella obviously had said in, in in his own interview, and he said, "Well, you know, not this, not this Barcelona. This Barcelona has got nothing. Uh, you know, so the previous Barcelonas, and yes, and then you know that's one we want to be compared to. But unfortunately, this current Barcelona is not one we want to be compared to. Which, you know, totally, you know, in, in, in JJ fashion, right? He's always, you know, yapping and, and and talking and being bullish after a dominant performance that we saw this week. Uh, so I love to see that, guys. I love to see that 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 part from. Um, Apart from JJ, because this is, it's entertainment, man. I I, I actually um, can't kill him. Can't kill him because I thought it was hysterical. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, next up we have uh, Glasgow Rangers, which also has two wins in a group. They will play Benfica this um, this Thursday uh, at Stadio de Luz. Dave, numbers on that game, sir. Yeah, so this will be uh, another first official meeting between uh, the two uh, two historical clubs. Uh, they were scheduled to play the uh, Eusebio Cup in 2017 here in my uh, backyard in uh, Hamilton, Ontario, but that was uh, cancelled. 
Um, Benfica's record, though, against Scottish clubs uh, at the Estadio de Luz, five wins, five, uh, or five games, uh, five wins. Uh, Rangers this season are currently in first in the Scottish uh, Premiership with 35 points from uh, 11 wins, uh, two draws. Uh, managed by Steven uh, Gerrard, and they're nine points ahead of uh, second-place Celtic. Who uh, have played two less games in them, though? But uh, Celtic are the nine-time uh, Scottish uh, champions uh, right now. Rangers haven't won since 2010-2011. Yeah, uh, Steven Gerrard uh, has this team playing well. Um, Nine-point lead, as you mentioned, Dave. Uh, no goals allowed in Europa League. Only three goals uh, allowed uh, domestically. Uh, so. Uh, Steven Gerrard, as you remember him, the the the, the brain of that uh, of that Liverpool midfield, Cristiano, how, uh, anticipating uh, a hard game for Benfica against this uh, Glasgow Rangers. It's quite amazing that uh, both both teams with the history that they have have never faced each other. Man, you you're really putting me on the spot here. I'm trying to to bite my tongue and and, and not give away, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> not give away the result from the next game we're going to break down. I figured we'd break that down and then come back to, 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 to the Rangers. But obviously, uh, being put on a spot once again, uh, I ha- look, after we saw in their last outing, man, you, really, you don't know what to expect from this club right now at this point. Uh, as you said, Stevie G is going to have his team ready to play football. It's going to be an interesting matchup. It's just a matchup that i got to be brutally honest with you guys. I'm, I'm shocked that it's the first time Benfica and Rangers have ever faced off in an in a official match. Um, so, you know, glad to see it for the history books. Uh, two great historic European clubs facing off. Uh, against one another. Unfortunately, it's not the Champions League. It's, you know, it's in the Europa League. But nonetheless, it's a game that needs to be played. It's a game that Benfica needs to take very seriously. Benfica needs to rebound from their sluggish performance that we saw yesterday uh, in order to get this team uh, back on the right track to get the confidence levels back up, you know, in order for us to, to, to attack the remaining of the schedule um, going forward. Yeah, so let's uh, let's get right into that. Sorry, I jumped around a little bit, but I thought it would be fitting that we preview the Glasgow Rangers since we had just come off the recap for uh, for Liege. Uh, but Boa Vista, Boa Vista happened this uh, this past Monday or yesterday as we record this. Uh, I'll give you the lineup, and then we'll uh, we'll start this up. Right, Vlakovimus, uh, Gilberto Otamendi, Vertong, and Tavares, uh, Pizzi, Gabriel Tarapt, Everton. Walt Schmidt in Darwin. Um, and I guess I, I, I could, I always start with you, Cristiano. Um, JJ, up until this game, he had mentioned a couple things that he was seeing in training. Uh, number one, uh, he felt that, that Darwin uh, needed a, a rest at this point, that he felt that the guy had played too many games. You also mentioned that the, the Brazilian crew. Uh, wasn't yet at the point that uh, he needed him to be. And certainly looking at this game now, in, in hindsight being 2020, obviously, we look at several players in this team, in this 11, that were very sluggish. They looked tired, missed a lot of passes, and oftentimes uh, that missing of the pass is a lot of it, it comes from from fatigue or comes from from mental, not mental exhaustion, but some some exhaustion. Why do you think, and JJ has already admitted that he made an error by not changing, but why do you think he approached this game this way, understanding that he needed to make the changes? Man, I think I think it's something we touched on in, in the previous podcast, if I'm not mistaken, when we talked about Porto dropping points in Benfica, you know, whether it's mental, whatever it is, but Benfica seems to do the exact same and, and you know, come out with a lackluster performance and, and, and you know, rather than take advantage of, of, of their main rivals uh, performance and take, you know, get, get you know, widen the, the lead. Instead, they, they, they come out there and, and they play just as bad, if not worse. And I think, as you mentioned, JJ in his press conferences mentioned Darwin needed a break, that the Brazilian connection needed a breather. These guys, are, you know, had played a lot of minutes and, you know, in a lot of games, obviously it's a game being played, like it seems like every three days, and these, you know, major, major minutes. And I think once Porto lost that game to Paso Ferreira on Saturday, I think that might have changed 
JJ's mentality might have changed his game plan going into this game. As we mentioned before, Dave, you recall the conversation we talked, if you had to rest players, do you want to extend the lead in the Campeonato or the Europa League? And I think JJ looked at this as an opportunity to widen the gap to eight points. And, you know, he said, scratch that. Forget this. I'm not going to give the Darwins or the Everton Sabolinas um, a breather here. I want to put my team, my best team, on the pitch in order to extend this lead because if we could get it to eight points, it's going to be really comfortable. We got a tough matchup coming up next week against Sporting Braga. Um, you know, so if I could widen this to eight points, why not? And I think, unfortunately, that backfired. Um, backfired on JJ. This was an abysmal performance. Um, from really from I thought the first 10 minutes they were okay then after that it's as if, as if the wheels came off the bus and from Tarapt to Gabriel to PZ I mean Otamendi Vertong and these guys they were all giving the ball away um they were playing hot potato with it nobody wanted to uh to to to, to you know have the ball on them everybody's in a rush to get rid of it um and it was just one of those performances man as I stated on Twitter you know, let's let's follow this in, in that forgettable draw. And, I, you know, hopefully it's just a hiccup. Um, but, yeah, uh, Alfredo, Dave, it wasn't pretty, man. It was not a pretty matchup for Benfica. I don't know if fatigue had something to play with it. We actually, you know, we we all think it did. But JJ, um, a guy that you, as you guys know, I, I adore the guy. I was ecstatic that he came back. But uh, there's two mistakes early on here in, the, you know, this 2020-2021 this season. Yeah, look, certainly a, a dominating performance by uh, by Boavista, and I certainly understand where you're coming from, and I think that you make a great point in, in saying that, and 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 that is the mentality that we need to be instilled in Benfica, right? So, with the opportunity to go eight points uh, up on Porto, you play your strongest eleven. I don't have a problem with that, uh, but also as a coach, you got to be able, and he was uh, able to determine whether your guys are ready to go. But Dave, I'll ask you this. Is a second-line Benfica or a Benfica with three, four, maybe five guys rotated in much worse than a Boa Vista who had yet to win a game in this Liga, Liga Nosh? On paper, you would have to say uh, that Benfica's second squad is still a stronger, uh, more dominating uh, squad than Boa Vista, especially how Boa Vista was leading up uh, to this uh, this game here. But... You also have to give credit to uh, Boavista. They they did play a uh, uh, well overall overall uh, game. They stuck to their their game plan. And like we've said on many podcasts before, um, when these small clubs get the the early goal or the early lead on us, it just gives them that more of a comfort where they can um, stay back and just uh, defend. And, and you like I said, you got to give credit to Boavista. They got their quick goals and they were able to uh, stick to their uh, defensive plan. But um could have been a totally different game if uh, Darwin had scored that, that early goal. It could have maybe uh, forced Boavista to open up a little bit and create more chances for us. But uh, unfortunately, Darwin, I think, leads the uh, league in offside goals this season because he has at least won every uh, game where he's off by uh, just a couple of centimeters. But was it meant to be this game? Yeah, the Darwin miss, and well, not miss, it was a goal, but it was offside, but also the Vertonghen miss, which uh, could have probably sent the game a different a different way. But, I mean, looking at the stats, 15 uh, shots for Boavista against seven uh, from, from Benfica, 11 in the first half uh, against one of Benfica's in the first half. But, but for a team of Benfica's caliber to be able or to be – shut down in terms of the shots or the attempts that you were taking in the first half. All you had is was one shot, which was basically the Vertonghen header, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, this is just flat-out embarrassing of a, of a first half for Benfica. Uh, and look, I don't, I don't subscribe to uh, the idea of, oh, uh, Boavista fouls a lot and they, they stop this. You have guys on your staff that are full-time scouts, that are full-time analysts. You know very well how Boavista plays. Regardless, we know what Boavista's DNA is throughout the years. Cristiano, both and I uh, uh, know that they've always been a super gritty, tough, 
physical team. This is no surprise. The fact that they played with five in the back shouldn't be any surprise either because the team has played now against Polonese with really five play in the with back. Three, you really play with three center backs, and I think that, that caught them off guard. But look, as you mentioned, Alfredo, the fouls, it shouldn't be an excuse. But look, it, it, it did have an effect on the game. It had an effect on the tempo. And look, credit to them. They, 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 they knew that coming into this game, if they were going to play Benfica straight up, that things are going to be very difficult. They're going to have to mess things up. They're going to have to um, stop Benfica from being that, 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 that team with the, with the attacking flow, the team that is able to, to create and on the wings and able to ease, you know, c- come up the field with ease. And I think they had to find a way to stifle them, and they did so. So credit to them. And the other thing is we saw Bo Vista do to Benfica what Benfica normally does to everybody else, which is the high press at times. Benfica had a very difficult time of getting the ball uh, from from the defense up to different sectors. It was just it was just an ugly, ugly game. And it's like you can sit here and realistically point the finger at, at, at any number of players. I mean, you want to start with that opt? Drop really did what two three plays in the whole game where 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 he's phenomenal for those two three plays especially the one with the cross to to, to Vertonghen that he had his that he you know was able to dive for and got his head on it and went straight to the goalie I thought he could have done better and then he had another pass that I thought was again fantastic only a genius could think of something like that teardrop pass right to 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 um, Darwin right behind the defensive line, and Darwin couldn't control it. I thought that was a genius pass. And aside from that, he didn't do anything else. And then you go to Gabriel, a guy that just every time he touched the ball, turned it over, right? Um, just just plays, you know, with no energy at times. It looks like he's just going out there through the motions. Then you switch it to PZ, obviously. Guys, do I have to tell you the way PZ plays? We all know how PZ is in tough games. The guy disappears. The one thing that I was surprised by was really Vertonghen and, 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 and Otamendi, who were just so easily gave that ball away. Um, and again, it was just, like I mentioned, nobody wanted to have the ball. Everybody was playing hot potato with it. And it became a game of just everybody doing what they wanted to do. Gilberto gives you nothing defensively. Nun Tavares gives you nothing defensively. He gave you nothing going forward as well because, you know, he had that fantastic game against the Liege, but then he went back to being the old Nun Tavares with the long-ass touch, the cement feet, um, couldn't control the ball to save his life. You got the, 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 the two guys in the middle – the top to the world with Gabriel's of the world. There's no defensive presence. And at times it was as if guys, the only two people actually defending on this team were Vertonghen and, and Otamendi and everybody else just ball watching mm-hmm. because there is nobody else that's going to do that the defensive work, um, you know, at the back end. And so that's something that, that JJ is going to have to revise, especially when it comes into uh, more competitive games. I think we touched on that. And then one of the, our, our recent, uh, podcasts talking about how in the Portuguese league against most of these Monko teams, the 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 pivot, the 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 you know the side by side with with um you know whoever it is, right? Vigo, Tarap, the Gabriel, it's not gonna make that big of a difference. But uh, look at that in this game, um, it came back to bite you. There was, there's no aggression, there is no intensity aside from really Otamendi and um, and Darwin. Where, where's that aggression? Where's that intensity? There is none on the field. There's nobody else. Vertonghen is an excellent player, but he's, you know, he's Mr. Smoothness, right? He's out there chilling. There is nobody. Like, I I was talking to a friend of mine today, and I actually mentioned this. Benfica on this team, if you want to play a Trapto or Gabriel, you can't play those two side by side. You can play one of them, but you need a Robocop, a Fernando Aguiar. You recall that that guy, Alfredo? You need that kid, Dave, your Canadian brother. You need someone like that to tear shit up. Because Tarapt and Gabriel are never going to do it. If it's going to be a game where Benfica is going to have 90% pres- uh, uh, 90% possession, then fine, go with it. But in a game like we saw this weekend, you need a destroyer. We need a Feja, a guy to just stay home and defend and help out your two center backs because Gilberto is going to go forward. He has no concept of defending. Nun Tavares, I don't know what the hell to say. I mean, he had a fantastic game last game. Then this game, we reverted back to his old self. It seems like he forgot how to play football this weekend. Everton's not playing defense. Peasy's not playing defense. The two strike, it was just two guys out there by themselves. Do what you got to do. That second goal by Boa Vista, it was Gomez and Ellis, whatever his name is, between five or six Benfica players. And it was just able to touch it around. Nobody ever stepped up. Um, and in Vertonga, when he finally did, it was too late and he was able to deflect the, the, the ball. But unfortunately, you know, didn't get it away from goal, still went on goal. And they took the 2 nothing lead. But it's it just, there's so many, again, from this one game, 
there's so many question marks. And I just hope, as I mentioned before, it's just it's one of those hiccups. It's a hiccup. It's one of those games we're going to file uh, in the drawer and, and, and you know, look back at it at the end of the year and say, wow, can you believe this, man? We lost 3-0 to Bovista. Look at that. Because last week when we were on a podcast, we talked about no Javi Garcia's. Oh, it's going to be easy. No uh, Rami. Oh, Angel Goever, whichever one of you told me Angel Gomes wasn't playing. I mean, geez, that guy, did he show up? He not only showed up, he's the best player on the field. So credit to them. They did what they had to do. Benfica, this was, I mean, by far their worst performance of the season. Um, you could easily say the game against Standard Liege was their best performance of the season, and this one's by far the worst performance of the season. Yeah, 17 uh, interceptions is what Boavista had, and we saw missed pass after missed pass on a build-out from Gabriel, as Cristiano mentioned. Uh, and I think that's the biggest problem that I have with Gabriel is, like, at times he could be great. I love his long balls, but he's inconsistent at best. Uh, and if you recall last uh, last season, he had a period where he was good, then he was kind of – not so great. Then he got hurt. He had that that weird eye injury, uh, and it's just for me. Gabriel is just he, he hasn't convinced me yet, uh, and the reason why I haven't written him off is because I know that there's potential there. It's just the inconsistency. He can't put together a string of games where he's he's consistent. Um, but uh, it, it, he wasn't the only one. Uh, PT, as we mentioned. Uh, the Tavares kid, I don't even think that this kid should be playing for Benfica, to be honest with you. Uh, and certainly when you have all the time in the world and you got no one around you, you could settle. The ball could roll one, two, three feet away from you and you could still gather the ball. But when you have somebody on you and you're forced to have an impeccable uh, touch and, and control so the ball stays at your feet, he fails Fails time after time. Um, the only thing that you could say about him is that his crosses are great. He whips him in. He, he, he's great in terms of crossing. Uh, not good in, in defending. The first goal comes from, from his side. Uh, I think the, there's another goal that comes from his side also. But it's, it's just a, the type of player that I don't even know if he should be playing for uh, Benfica at this point. Uh, but this is, uh, this is what we have. This is what we have right now, but I don't think there's anyone that you could uh, that you could look at in terms of players uh, that you could say uh, that well, this guy had a good game. Certainly, you could praise guys for effort, but it's going to take more than just effort to uh, to win games. And certainly, when you look at this squad and the amount of money that was spent on the squad uh, with the squad and also on the coach, the level of accountability has to be high. Uh, it can't be just give guys the benefit of the doubt. We went out, we spent a lot of money on players and coaches. So the accountability and what they need to do needs to be at the very top. The fact that JJ recognized that there was some changes that he could have made, he didn't make them. Then after the game, he says that he doesn't make a culpa. He says that he made a mistake. That is things that, at this level and for the amount of money that we're paying him and what we got him for, I don't, I don't agree with it. And I'm, I'm upset about it because AJ gets no pass here. No, absolutely not. As you just said, he himself, he himself said, look, uh, I, I, I noticed that changes need to be made. And then I think it had to do it all. It all had to do with, with the result from the Porto game on Saturday and he didn't change, so he's got no one to blame. But as far as the, the benefit of the doubt, Alfredo, I do give the players the benefit of the doubt. It's early. I know we spent a lot of money on them. It's early. It's COVID season. Things aren't normal like we're accustomed to. These guys are human. It takes a little bit of time to adapt, right? They, they're they not getting in. They're, they're, I'm pretty sure their routines have all been changed uh, compared you know, to, to what they've accustomed to to you know they grew up since they're 10 years old they're pretty sure they still go through the same routines and everything is is, is thrown for a loop I, I i give these guys a bit of a pass and again it's one game let's hope it's just this one game let's see what happens in the very next game let's see if they turn things back around but i'm gonna give them a pass jj on the other hand uh, as much as i love him um if he hadn't identified those problems or if he would have kept shut and then kept his mouth shut and then went out there and still feel the same 11. They're like, okay, well, you know, but the fact that he knew that there was something that needed to be done and didn't do it, this, this is squarely on his back. And JJ absolutely needs to be better. 
But at the same time, with all the injuries, Padrinho got hurt, you know, two fullbacks are hurt. There's been injuries, and not making excuses for the old man, but, you know, our options are pretty thin. I mean, Alfredo, if you really get down to it, right, um, Rafa's on the bench, but he's been playing with regularity. He's not like, oh, you know, he's fresh. You know, no, he's been playing. There, there's Gonzalo Ramos, maybe. Okay, fine. You know, but he traded, you know, he, he could have maybe thrown him in there a little bit earlier, um, you know, to, to, to change things, especially when you saw that the first half, Benfica wasn't really creating much with Darwin and, 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 and Luca. But at the same time, those two guys have been on fire. You really wanted to give them some time to see if they turn things around. But, again, there's – what other options? Vigo a little bit sooner? Okay, fine. He did make changes. He made changes. And the only one that really came in, I thought that made a difference, was Rafa. Rafa actually came into the game, and he played relatively well. Gonzalo – Gonzalo – what's his name? Um, um, oh, no, no, the other one. Uh, Diogo Gonzalves. I'm saying Gonzalo. Diogo Gonzalves came in. He did all right. But the one guy that came in I thought changed things around was, was by far Rafa. And again, credit to JJ for seeing that these changes needed to be made, but it was a little bit too late. And then Bovisa, by that time, had just run away with the game and they had the game settled. Um, and it was just, man, oh, bro, I was sitting there. It was so frustrating to watch this performance yesterday. Yeah. No, look, I, I get that, that you give the players the benefit of the doubt. And certainly uh, when you put the blame on the coach and, and the fact that the coach is not putting the players in a position to succeed, which if they know that he's tired, don't put him out there. Uh, and, and, and my point is I'll give the player the benefit of the doubt, uh, the benefit of the doubt because I really felt that JJ uh, didn't really make the, the right moves in terms of rotating the squad because of fatigue. Uh, but, but certainly Dave, why isn't Rafa playing instead of Pizzi? Why why does Pizzi continue to get the nod? Only God knows at this point because uh, it seems like he's the only constant. But this even goes before uh, before JJ that Pizzi has uh, had that that position uh, cemented uh, with his name there. But um, we talk about all the money that uh, was spent this year, and um, even in years previous, we've always known that defensively Benfica especially uh, at the right and uh, left back uh, positions. We kind of lack depth there and considering uh, Grimaldo's history of uh, injuries, it's still a a position that we we never seem to uh, address in any of the transfer markets. And I'm not even just saying this summer, this goes back many uh, transfer markets as well. So, Sure, we we have the uh, the bill to show for the uh, the amount of money that we spent for, but it's always it always seems like we're spending it on strikers and, and uh, wingers. But for years now, we've known that Benfica struggles at uh, left and right back, especially in the in depth. Um, but yet we we never seem to address it in, in the transfer market. We only uh, some people are quick to point that we only address positions that will eventually cash us in on players that we get, um, because the investment on a fullback is not all that big. But if you uh, you go invest eight million or nine million on Pudrinho, and I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve it, but certainly if you can invest on uh, on positions uh, that are more up the pitch, why not shore up your defense? Because uh, as we know, and we're fans of, uh, of American sports, uh, championship teams are, are built from the back up. Uh, and certainly that's not the case with Benfica with glaring, glaring, uh, glaring deficiencies in terms of the fullback positions now that both uh, Andre Almeida and Grimaldo are hurt. Not that Andre Almeida was, uh, was much of a step up from Gilberto, but certainly uh, somebody that's a little bit more consistent than uh, Gilberto. And I thought that Gonçalves came in, but uh, he was kind of uh, brought in with the mission of doing the whole corridor, the whole right corridor. So uh, a little bit of a, a fish out of water, if you will. But, uh, you know, the effort's there. The kid did try. Uh, but look, I want to be like you, Christian. I want to shake this off, but it's these types of, uh, of losses, uh, especially to a, a team that uh, had yet to, to win. And with the fact that we could have gone eight points up on Porto, and this always seems to happen, um, I think that uh, I, I'm going to be – this is going to be my Pas Freire game that you that you had a few years back that you always referred back to oh, that Pas Freire game. I remember that. Alfredo, <laughs> Steve to this day mocks me on that. But look, Alfredo, I, I, think, I think 
if come next week and 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 because this we're in a similar situation that we were in last year we lost walk of the Porto where we could have extended it to seven or at least kept it uh remember we could have extended it to ten right yeah and we lost and it went to four and then we lost the very next week to 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 to, to Braga. Braga yeah and then and then all of a sudden the noose around our neck was tight and, and we're in the same sim, you know, similar situation here. Now, if we come next week and we beat Braga, I, and I think we're able to, as I said before, right the ship, right? I, I think we'll be able to shake this game off. But if all of a sudden we have an opportunity to go eight points up, we lose against Bovista. Now we lose against Braga. Porto wins. And all of a sudden the gap's two points once again. And depending on what happens to Sporting, Sporting could extend it to four uh, after, this, after next week's round of games. So, We'll see what happens. I'm just trying to be a little bit more optimistic rather than pessimistic. As you guys know, listen to the podcast. Uh, I'm more of a glass half uh, half empty uh, type of guy. And this time I'm trying to see if my luck changes a little bit. Let me think of things as a glass half full and maybe things will go our way. Dave, number on, numbers on this game. Yeah, just uh, starting off with the match, uh, Bovista had a uh, starting a line, uh, 11 lineup uh, with the average age of uh, 22 and a half, which was the youngest starting 11 um, average age uh, by any Portuguese team this uh, season compared to Benfica's uh, average age of 27 uh, and a half. Uh, Bovisha came into the match not having scored at the best, and uh, sure enough, they scored uh, three on us, so we have that... Uh, to be proud of. And Bovista uh, uh, beat Benfica for the first time since uh, September 2017. And if you recall, recall that was the uh, match of uh, Verela's blunder from the uh, the free kick there where he tried to catch it and it just went off his arms and through his legs. So yeah. uh, they hadn't beat us since that, uh, that match. And that was Benfica's worst league defeat since uh, 2015 against uh, JJ coach uh, Sporting. Yeah, that Varela blunder, it's, uh, it's another game that will go down as uh, a bad memory from that season. And I think that's, that's one of the games that we look back on and said this game could have made the difference. Um, certainly, it's, it's super early in, in the season. Uh, still a lot of points to, to uh, dispute, uh, but, but certainly not a, a, very, good, uh, a very good result uh, for Benfica. Cristiano, now that we have a little bit of context, and I know that we already spoke about Glasgow Rangers, what's the approach for Glasgow Rangers? Does, does this game all of a sudden become a throwaway for Benfica because of uh, changes? Because after all, we do have, we played Thursday, we have Braga then on, on Sunday, which we'll get into it shortly. But what's, what's the, the management in terms of, uh, of JJ? I mean, look, right now, I like to think Benfica – I mean, look, it's, it's the same story for me week week after week, which is field your best 11 and, and, and see what happens in the next game. But after what happened this week, and I won't be surprised if we do see some changes, uh, but every time I come on here and I, and I expect to see changes, he does the opposite. So um, we'll just have to wait and see on Thursday. But it, it's going to be a very interesting matchup. As I mentioned before, it's two very – you know, two, two historic teams two teams that, that have been around the block, you know, once or twice. And I think JJ is going to want to represent um, himself. He's going to want to represent Benfica uh, the best they can. We know JJ is one of these guys that, that likes to talk about how he's, you know, I'm internationally known, baby, you know, and, and he's not going to go out there and, and feel the uh, a subpar lineup and, and then come away with the loss because he knows that everybody throughout Europe will be watching. Uh, so I think he's going to want to make a statement with that lineup. So, Again, Benfica's got a lot on the line here. Very tough game coming up against Braga. But at the same time, you need to, you know, put your best foot forward and, and come over with the three points because you get some money from these victories in, in, in the Europa League and you get to position yourself in order to get out of the group, in order to go deep into the tournament. Uh, it's, again, very interesting matchups, very interesting games, very interesting situations to look at. And this is, you know, what, a month and a half into the season. So, um, is it a month and a half, guys? Yeah, right. Six weeks. Six who's, who's keeping Who's keeping track? Two months, whatever it is, guys. I don't even know. But you know, nonetheless, I I, I still think um, you know, Benfica has an obligation to win every game that they play, no matter who they play, uh, no matter the competition. But after what we saw this week against against Boavista, 
I won't be shocked if he does rest some players. Just like I won't be shocked if he fields uh, the strongest 11 because of what I just said. You know, the guy's got a chip on his shoulder. He's arrogant and he knows in Europe, everyone's going to be watching. This is the, you know, Copa Libertadores champion and ta da 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 You know how JJ is. He's going to want to send that type of message. But at the same time, he understands against Braga. It's not going to be an easy out also. So, uh, look, I'm glad. He's the one that's getting – well, I'm not glad he's the one getting paid the big bucks because I like the big bucks. But I'm glad that he's the one that has to make these decisions. He's getting paid to make these tough decisions. And uh, we'll just see what happens, man. We hope that this team shows up to play because what we've seen, um, you know, again, yesterday, what was it, 24 hours ago? I mean, that was – again, I, I'm hoping that Bifiga has two good performances in the next two games and we forget about this game. Um, it won't turn into one of these Pas Freire games, Alfredo or, or, or the Barella uh, – uh, Frango game. Yeah. I'll be curious to see what he does on uh, on Thursday against uh, Rangers, understanding that you have Braga on the horizon. And, and Braga is, is basically ha- – they have been on the same schedule as us in terms of games played because they're also participating in the Europa League. Uh, they also have uh, six points uh, from two matches uh, just like us. And uh, I'll, I'll be – I'll be very surprised if he if he feels the uh, strongest eleven against Glasgow Rangers, uh, but I think that even changes in a couple pieces here and there, I think that we have enough uh, to get a positive result from this Glasgow Rangers game. I'm, and I'm not saying uh, a win, but I think that we could probably pull a, a tie. Uh, but obviously, would like a win. But certainly, after admitting that he should arrested players. Here comes the the rotation. And when you have six points out of two games in the Europa League uh, and considering what uh, else you got to play in the Europa League still, I think this uh, JJ might throw away this game. That is my uh, feeling. But uh, uh, Braga is a very difficult game uh, for Benfica. And that game comes up uh, Sunday on the 8th of uh, November. Uh, what's going on with Braga these days, Dave? Yeah, this season uh, managed by uh, Carlos uh, Carvalho. Uh, they're in third with 12 points from four wins, two draws. Or sorry, four wins, two losses. There are two losses uh, coming their first two games of the season against uh, Porto and Santa Clara. Uh, currently undefeated in their last uh, six matches, uh, including their two Europa League uh, fixtures. Um, historically, we've uh, won 97 matches, drawn 30, 19 defeats. Last season at the Estadio de Luz, uh, Braga came in and defeated us uh, 1-0, like we uh, mentioned earlier. And that snapped a span of uh, 14 straight matches where Benfica were undefeated against uh, Braga. Yeah. Yeah, I also, I, I forgot to uh, ask you, I wanted to ask you about uh, JJ's record against Braga because... I don't think that he has a very dominating record against Braga. I think that Rui Vitoria has a better uh, record against Braga than JJ has, but, uh, you know, we should have looked that up, but that's not a big deal. Uh, but, yeah, uh, uh, a Braga team that uh, is on the up and up. Carlos Carvalhal has done a good job with them so far. Um, and, uh, you know, on the injury report, Ricardo Huerta, who, which is a big miss, and, and Rui Font are listed on the injury report. But this is Tuesday as we record this. That could change. Fran Sergio uh, and David Carmo uh, are not going to be uh, available for this game as they are suspended after the fracas that uh, broke out against uh, Vitor Guimarães, if I'm not mistaken, right? Those those will be you know, two, two players that will surely be missing, in particular Fran Sergio who does a lot of the dirty work for, for Braga, one of those polyvalent type of guys, an ugly dude, but, you know, does all the, does all <laughs> does the, the ugly work. The ugly dude does all the ugly work for, for Sporting Braga. And the other thing is we get to see our boy Nico Gaetan. Um, That's right. Obviously not in the, you know, not in the shirt. I was going to say not in the red and white, but, they you know, Braga is red and white. But, you know, obviously not in the shirt you want to see him in, but it's still be fun to see him play. Hopefully, you know, you won't have a memorable game of his and, and you know, we'll, we'll just be able to hug and kiss after the game. Yeah, Braga will play Leicester uh, this Thursday for the Europa League. So that's another one that we need to keep an eye on uh, in terms of what does Carlos Carvalhal do. That's a, that's a tougher matchup than Rangers. Yeah, that, that sure is. And and I think this, this Carvalhal uh, sit a couple guys. Well, 
he's not going to sit Franz Sergio and uh, and David Carmo. Those guys are definitely going to play, uh, but certainly those are guys that are going to be getting rest against Befica for for the obvious reasons. But certainly uh, uh, a a very difficult matchup here, and and certainly uh, I hope that uh, Befica could could come out with a good result because if they don't. Uh, we could be looking at a at a, a situation here, right? Still early in the season, though. Still early in the season, early, but uh, you don't want to go through. Yeah, but your main rival—not rivals, but your main opposition—and the guys that are going to challenge at the top of the table uh, are the guys that you want to beat, especially at home. And I believe this game uh, is at home. Uh, anything else that you guys wanted to mention before we uh, start closing this up? Nope. No, th- these next two games lead up right into uh, an international break. That's so right. that will uh, hopefully uh, give, a, give some players some rest. Yeah, we'll give uh, George Zou some time and also some players uh, some, some to rest to, uh, to recover. But then again, it's international break. That means that all the internationals are, <laughs> are going out. So it's not like they're getting a rest. Uh, and certainly uh, with, this, with the South American uh, contingent having to make a cross-Atlantic trip. Those are never easy. I'm sure everything would be, will be called to the national team, Otamendi, Darwin, uh, Vertonghen, all those guys will be called to the national Look, team. That's the risk you run of having a, a roster full of quality players. It's beautiful oh, when yeah. you have them, but then when you're going through a situation like you are now where you want to give some guys a rest, well, those quality players are going to get called up to the national team. So there goes uh, not only their rest, but obviously the possibility of picking up a, a, an injury um, is also is also there. So hopefully these guys get through these next two games and, and you know, Benfica does what they have to do. Uh, it's not going to be easy, but Benfica definitely has the quality. They have definitely have the coaching staff to, to overcome these difficulties and, you know, come away with the, with the victory in, 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 in each game. And then, you know, we'll worry about the international break and we'll worry about all that stuff afterwards. Yeah. After the international break, uh, we will um... – be back in competition and that will be the start of the Portuguese Cup for Benfica. Uh, we will travel to Paredes to play the local team and that match will take uh, place on the 21st of November. So um, as Benfica plays their last uh, their game against Braga on the 8th, then we have uh, 13, 13 days in between the, the next game as uh, they've mentioned for international play. 13 days for us here on the podcast to rest up. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, uh, we will be back next week. We'll uh, recap these games, and uh, then after that, we'll we'll take a a week off as it is customary during uh, during international break. Uh, but you could uh, check out time added on uh, that we just put out, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, that Cristiano and I uh, had uh, the pleasure of doing together. Um, what else, boys? That's it. That's all. That's all it, right. bro. Shout out to, to all the boys and girls. Love you all. Thank you very much for, for checking us out. That's you right. Know, be back next week with some more beautiful insight from David and, and Capitão. All right, everyone. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye.